Hey everyone, Dr. Travis here. My guest today, once again, Dr. Brad Spellberg. I promised in my last conversation with him that that we would dig deeper into his new book that is out. It's called Broken, Bankrupt, and Dying, How to Solve the Great American Healthcare Ripoff. Today's conversation is so important. Please, folks, listen to this. The We're breaking down so many of the myths out there when it comes to the healthcare system, which is broken. And it is causing people to go bankrupt and people are dying. America literally has the worst healthcare outcomes when it comes to developed countries. And we spend the most by far. And it's kind of crazy to think that we spend more money than any other country in the world for healthcare, but we live shorter lives than people in other countries. We pay more, as Dr. Brad Spellberg says in his book, for the privilege of dying younger. It's time to blow the top off of all this craziness. The system is broken. Lots of wonderful people in the system who also want change. The healthcare providers, people who work at hospitals, they, we want change. We just need to inspire all of us to act to ensure we get the change that we need. Everyone, I hope you enjoyed this podcast with Dr. Spellberg. And you can let me know on um, my Instagram at Travis Stork MD what you think of this podcast. Because if you like it, I'd like to do some more podcasts about where we are with, with our healthcare system, even at future conversation with Dr. Brad Spellberg, because it is time. It is time to change this. Because I don't want any of you listening to go bankrupt because of our healthcare system or to die younger than you need to because of our healthcare system. Let's change this together. Enjoy the podcast. During today's episode, I'm joined by Dr. Brad Spellberg, who is an infectious disease specialist. And anyone who's been listening to the podcast knows that Dr. Spellberg and I have been trying to break down the myths, the realities, the truths of the COVID virus. But perfectly timed. Dr. Spellberg also has written a book that just came out called Broken, Bankrupt, and Dying, How to Solve the Great American Healthcare Ripoff. When I read Brad's book, I was so moved by the insights that he shares that I wanted to talk a little bit more about it. Because I'm just telling people, if you're listening, that you live in a country that is the richest country in the history of the world with the absolute worst possible healthcare system you could ever design. It is as bad as you may think it is, folks, it is worse. It's awful. And I'm a doctor in the system. Dr. Spellberg is in the system. And Dr. Spellberg, your first sentence in your introduction, which I could not agree with more, reads, the U.S. healthcare system is the greatest ripoff perpetrated on the American people in the last century. I give you the floor. <laughs> well, thank you, Dr. Travis. So I realize that that sentence or sentiment may be a little off-putting to some, but as I thought about it, I don't know how else you describe a situation where, objectively speaking, the American people are overspending by more than a trillion dollars per year in waste and excess cost for the privilege of dying younger than people who live in other wealthy countries. We spend way more, but we die younger and have higher death rates. And our healthcare system was never rationally designed to deliver healthcare. It is an accident of history. We can definitely do better than what we have. And there's the financial cost, there's the cost of life, but also 
something that people haven't talked about enough. You and I trained as doctors. We are doctors. So we spend a lot of time in hospitals. No one goes to the hospital for fun. Even if you work in a hospital, you're going there to work. And part of our overutilization, and this is coming from the perspective of someone who we just had our baby boy and due to some complications, we spent the better part of four days in the hospital as in, I'll call it, my, my wife was a patient, my newborn son, Grayson was a patient. And by the end of the fourth day, I kept thinking to myself, wow, <laughs> for people who are not in healthcare, what an incredibly trying experience to spend that much time in a hospital, the mental emotional anguish. In addition to, I wasn't sick. I was there for my wife and my child. And I, I'm sitting here thinking, wow, from the patient side of things, not just the financial cost, but the, the way that healthcare is set up in our, our country, we overutilize resources. You have stories in your book where people use, people are admitted to the hospital when they quite frankly would do just as well at home for much cheaper but because our healthcare system is all about, in my opinion, first and foremost, <laughs> profits now, the consumer gets lost in the shuffle. And I want to focus the conversation right now because you have so many wonderful stories, which I think is important. But you start the book off with the human cost of U.S. healthcare. So I don't want to get, there's so many other elements that I would love to talk with you about in the future, but the human cost of U.S. healthcare, because that's what matters most. Yeah. What you hear people say is the U.S. has the best healthcare system in the world. And what they're thinking is our doctors are the most highly trained in the world. Our nurses are the most sophisticated and highly trained in the world. The technology that's available is the most sophisticated in the world. And all of that is true. But none of that leads to effective healthcare delivery. The system we're trapped in is broken. We could be heroes all we want, but we can't make a dysfunctional accident of history healthcare system work. The proof is in the pudding. Our lifespans are shorter than all other wealthy nations. We live shorter lives in the United States than all other wealthy nations. We live shorter lives than many poor nations. I show a study in the book. When you look at death that can be prevented by healthcare delivery, we lose to Kuwait and Croatia. We're tied with Estonia and Montenegro. All of our wealthy peer nations totally outperform us. People die because our healthcare system is unintelligently designed because it was never actually designed. It just accidentally came into being. Which is anyone who's into design knows that anything that accidentally comes into being, sometimes it can be efficient, but usually it is incredibly inefficient, especially as it continues to grow and grow with poor initial design. The human cost, though, I want, I want to focus on individuals. And so if I've learned anything throughout my career, I can throw out statistics left and right. But what everyone wants to know is how does this affect me? So I want everyone listening right now to dig a little bit deep and think about you, think about your family, think about how you live within our healthcare system. Because, Brad, your book kind of breaks down through stories, all the things that can go wrong and getting back to the human costs, you know, 
we're, we're paying all this money into the system and we're having worst healthcare outcomes, which is just to me, madness. Importantly though, neither you nor I would ever argue that people providing healthcare aren't some of the most brilliant, well-intentioned people I've ever worked with. The healthcare providers, I work, the doctors, the nurses, all healthcare providers, they are the smartest, most well-intentioned people I've ever worked with. And that's the hardest part is acknowledging that you can have really good people working in a terrible system and that who ends up paying the, the price for that, it's the patients. Absolutely right. You can put a roster of superstars together on a sports team, but if they're not playing off the same playbook, they ain't going to win a championship. It's very simple. You need to be working in a system that works. The most highly trained, the best skilled, the most sophisticated practitioners cannot deliver exceptional healthcare in a broken system. And I will add, and I think you'll agree with this, Dr. Travis, our patients are suffering, their families are suffering, and you know who else is suffering? The doctors and nurses. Burnout in our system is at record highs. There are doctors in other countries that look at us and go, why are you putting up with that? We don't have to deal with all that. It's networks. Oh, am I allowed to care for this patient? Oh, let me spend three days trying to figure out what their insurance allows to be done. Well, I have to transfer them there. They don't want them. You spend hours and hours on paperwork and phone calls and faxing things. We fax things in healthcare. The 1990s called. It wants its technology back. Our system is broken and other countries have figured out how to make it work. And interestingly, I believe we do and when it comes to technology and I'll say healthcare technology, technology where we actually treat patients, we are probably second to none. But a little known reality behind the scenes is that in a lot of hospitals and clinics in America, the documentation technology is, <laughs> it is, yeah, you're seeing a thumbs down from Dr. Brad Spellberg because it is terrible and cumbersome. And when you start to read statistics for, for instance, ER doctors, you know, I would love to be able to walk into a patient's room and spend as much time in there as possible, focus on treatment. And I do, but the reality is you leave the patient's room and then you are spending sometimes twice as much time on a computer. And that's just one example of an inefficient healthcare system. I'm not saying that, that all of that time on the computer is ill spent, but that's just one example where inefficiencies, where I, if I'm an ER doctor spending all of my time at a computer and not actually treating the patient, we got to figure out how to improve that. With people though, with patients, because I think hopefully people listening are, are going to try to think about how they can better navigate this system. If the system is truly broken, and it is, and you, you give a lot of great arguments in terms of how to fix it. But before we get to that, if you're an individual in our system, what is the best way for you to navigate it to minimize your human cost? I, <laughs> <laughs> you don't know, right? I, have I don't. Watched. People are going to find this amazing, but this is true. And I tell the story in the book. I have watched patients who have extremely expensive, very high-end private insurance 
whose providers, whose doctors are at the most fancy, most sophisticated hospital, private hospital in L.A. County, voluntarily give up that insurance to sign up for Medicaid so they could access one health system and have all their health care covered. They were tired of getting their care denied. They were tired of driving all over the city. I've had patients with cancer for six months, couldn't get a dose of chemotherapy because they kept getting denied. Oh, go do this, go do that, get this authorization, get that authorization. You as an ER physician, you must have had patients. Well, this patient needs to be admitted. You're not allowed to admit this patient here. You need to transfer them there. Well, they won't take them. Well, now what am I going to do? We've had families try to hire private ambulances to, to drive their loved one to an in-network hospital. The in-network hospital didn't want to accept them. They're trapped. Our system is so broken. I don't know the answer of what's the best way to maneuver through our system. I tell stories in the book where my colleagues, highly sophisticated physicians who know everything about medicine, can't figure out how to get their own healthcare taken care of. Well, I would count myself amongst those individuals because when I had surgery a few years ago on my spine, the amount of time and energy I spent to make sure that I was going to the right places, doing the right things, I'm still getting bills and I don't even know what they're for. So that's just a quick example. And I'm, you know, I'm not only, uh, I, I hope a well-informed doctor, but I've been in the public health sphere in media for a long time talking about all these issues. If I'm confused, everyone is confused. And, you know, beyond that, when you break this down, so I have, I'll admit it, Mia culpa, Dr. Spellberg. I, what I, my, my answer in the past to all of this has been the way to navigate your way through the healthcare system is to stay as healthy as possible so that you avoid it. And that's true. Yeah. And so I can sit here, right? So I, and that's why I spend a lot of time and energy talking to people about how to stay out of the ER, stay out of the hospital. That's what I try to do for me and my family, no doubt about it. Once you're in the system, it can be an incredibly arduous journey. Why is that? Well, in the first chapter of your book, you look at 11 countries, and these are all, I'll call them wealthy countries, UK, Australia, Netherlands, New Zealand, Norway, Sweden, Switzerland, Germany, Canada, France, the US. Well, folks, guess where the US system ranks on death? Dead last. Guess where it ranks on all healthcare outcomes? Dead last. Guess where we rank in terms of the one you don't want to rank number one on is how much it costs. Number one. Yay. We're number one by a mile. By a mile. Way to go. And so it's okay for, for me in my position to say, all right, let's try to avoid the healthcare system, but it's time. It's time to address this. It's insanity. It is we are getting ripped off. That's the message here. I don't care whether you are a Democrat. I don't care whether you're a Republican. I don't care whether you're a hardcore capitalist. I don't care whether you are a Green Deal, socialist, whatever. All of us are getting ripped off. And this, this gets back to a conversation you and I had previously about COVID-19. We need to stop yelling at each other. It has to be my way or the highway. We need to come up with a better system 
that costs less money and delivers better outcomes for the American people because we're getting ripped off. We're getting ripped off, people. Let's stop being ripped off. Well, one of the reasons we're getting ripped off is because there's obviously a huge lack of transparency. In your opinion, I want to continue on the negatives for a minute because I want people to be, we're getting ripped off. I want people to be pissed off. Yeah. You, you all, we should all be pissed off. And maybe this is the new part about being a father right now. Like I'm, this is absurd. And it's the fact that I just spent almost a week in the hospital and you know, I'm, I'm watching again, we had good care, but I'm watching the system from a different perspective and thinking, how can we make this better when my, my son is a grown up or gets older? Well, now's the time, but I want to ask you, and this isn't really your opinion. You, you really dig, you did a great job digging through statistics and looking at where we are most inefficient. Why do we have the most expensive healthcare system in the world? Before I get into the bad outcomes, why is it so expensive? What are the, what are the worst players, if you will? Because again, we're not blaming individuals, we're, we're blaming systems. I think there isn't one answer to that question, but there's a couple leading answers. And the first is that our system isn't integrated or organized. So there's no negotiator to keep prices down. It's, it's a hodgepodge. And everybody's sort of there's a there's a ton of middlemen in there squeezing and extracting funds from flows of cash that don't end up delivering healthcare because of the hodgepodge nature of our system. Nobody can get their arms around it. And in other countries where there is a coalition, whether it's a multi-payer universal healthcare system or a single-payer universal healthcare system, they can control their costs because there is a collective bargaining on costs. That's number one. Number two, our system in the United States is based on something called fee-for-service. When I do something to you, I get paid. So obviously, my incentive is to do more things to you. I'm going to make more money if I do more things. Now, let me think. Am I going to do more things to you if you're healthy or if you're sick? My incentive is to let you get sick. So you need to get in the hospital. So I need to do a bunch of surgeries and give you a bunch of medications and infusions. The more things I do, the more billing occurs, the more money I make. That is an insane way to deliver healthcare. And we talk in the book extensively about different models where we get paid to keep people healthy in the first place. And then there's the third point, which is cultural. We have not come to accept in the United States that resources are finite. And so you tell you you mentioned earlier, people get hospitalized and want everything done, including expensive invasive things, when maybe they just need a topical this or a simple that. No, that's not, I want the most, I want the best. I want there's a consumerism element to our healthcare system. That is not necessarily the case in other countries. We have to tackle all three of those elements if we're going to fix this. Well, and one example of that, which is really hard to wrap your head around, but we spend a lot of money in terms of end of life care. And I have a, a dear friend, Carl Travis, who's actually been on this podcast, who is uh, has has been dealing with 
a diagnosis where initially he was only given a few months to live. And, and we had a really big time heart to heart conversation about hospice versus continuing treatment. And we were reading through the data together because I was trying to make the point that sometimes less is more and outcomes can be better, ironically, when you don't do everything. And some of the hospice data bears that out. Everyone thinks that if you stop a certain treatment, that that necessarily means you will have a worse outcome. Well, sometimes you have a better outcome for a lot of reasons people may not understand. But um, that is the one thing that, that I will say about our healthcare system that I was naive to. I came out of residency. I trained at Vanderbilt. And I, will have, I have to say this, give a shout out to Dr. Corey Slovis, who is nearing the end of his time as chairman of the emergency department at Vanderbilt. But he taught me and my fellow residents as well as you can possibly teach someone in terms of becoming a great doctor. So I felt so prepared to be a doctor. I felt so prepared to save people's lives. So I get into the community, Dr. Spellberg, and, and I think this story will make a lot of sense to you. And I'm practicing emergency medicine and I know what I'm doing. And I, I, I think I developed very quickly a reputation of, okay, if someone's really sick, Dr. Stork knows what he's doing. He will take care of you. Well, what I was not as facile with was all of the billing. And for anyone listening, as a doctor, you are separated from the bills that go out. Having said all of that, you have to begin learning about, is this a level one, level two, level three, level four patient? And after a few months of practicing, I go into a shift and another younger doctor is like, oh yeah, Travis, I've, I've figured this game out. If I order abdominal CT scans on anyone with abdominal pain, I can up the level of care and get reimbursed higher rates. Meanwhile, I'm seeing some people with abdominal pain who are coming in. I'm like, honestly, I think you have an upset stomach. Let's just, let's try an antacid and see how you're doing. And that, that does two things. It, I'll admit it, as a doctor, that increases your liability risk and it lowers what they call hospital revenues. Meanwhile, I can't believe I'm saying this, but my peer who was doing and ordering everything was very quickly made a partner in a practice because his revenue was through the roof. And in healthcare, when I come out of residency, I'm known for being a good doctor. Very quickly, you enter the healthcare system and you are known for being a revenue generator or not. That is insane. <laughs> and that is scary. And I could, it blew my mind that, and that in a nutshell is one of the problems with our healthcare system. That as a doctor, you go work at a hospital and, and you go to your briefings and it's, all right, hey, let's look at the numbers here. I need you to up your revenues. Not, hey, you have the best outcomes of any doctor in this hospital. It's, hey, we really, really need to, to get your revenues up. So I need you to do some more surgeries and procedures. I need you to do some more invasive stuff where we get reimbursed a higher rate. So you are one of the very few people that I have heard speak truth to power on this issue. 
It is the dirty little secret of medical practice. And it's not because physicians are bad or evil. No. And it's not because hospitals are bad or evil. It's because the system we are in mandates that that's how we practice or the hospitals will go bankrupt and close. So I'll ask you two questions, because in the book, we discuss the issue exactly that you're raising. One, remember the story in the book about the CEO of a hospital in Maryland. Maryland switched to what's called a global budgeting system for its hospitals, where they didn't pay hospitals anymore for each encounter. They gave them a fixed budget each year and said, stay within budget. And that CEO went from, boy, I wish I had more sick people in my hospital so I was making money to, geez, why are there so many sick people in my hospital and what can I do upstream to keep them healthy? Which is the way it should be. Yep. And the second is, do you remember the Johnson Rod story in the book? I'm not going to tell the story because I want people to read the book. Putting Johnson Rods in like a car mechanic, oh, a Johnson Rod. We don't want to be in a position where doctors are telling patients they need things that they probably really don't need, but it's because we're under pressure to generate revenue for our partners and for the hospital. Well, and I would be remiss if, you know, getting back to doctors really are trying to do the right thing. I mentioned the story of ordering abdominal CT scans because um, it's so terrible to say this, but revenue generators. Well, then the corollary to that is a ER friend of mine who was trying to avoid radiation on someone who didn't order the abdominal CT scan and then ends up in court with a million plus dollar settlement against him because he was trying to do the right thing. So we, it's a, it is, there are a lot of issues here and Dr. Spellberg, what I would love to do with you in a future podcast is talk solutions because the only way you can focus on solutions is to acknowledge that there is a problem and the timeliness of your book is it's inspired me. If you can't, I'm fired up. I, I want to continue to talk about this. The book is called broken, bankrupt and dying. How to solve the great American healthcare ripoff. The first step is acknowledging the problem. Dr. Spellberg, let's talk in the future about solutions because there is hope, right? We, if oh, we yeah. acknowledge this and before I let you go, um, because mind you, Dr. Spellberg did this in his free time. He is a very busy man, but you were so fired up about this issue that this is, you spent countless hours working on this. I do want to ask you this before I let you go. How important, because this is not a Democrat or Republican issue, how important is it that we act on this now with the pandemic we have elections coming up. Do you feel like this may be our, our chance? This is the moment. That's why I wrote the book now. This is the moment. People have been trying to fix our healthcare system for 40 years. And it's too, it's been too polarizing. But we have a global pandemic that has stripped the veneer of civility away from our healthcare system and exposed the rot within. And we have an election coming up that in many ways is a referendum on that healthcare system. This is the moment to look for win-win solutions. This is not, I get everything I want, you don't get anything you want. This is how do we come together and design a system that is less expensive, 
delivers better outcomes and gives everybody a win. This is the moment we can galvanize around and get this done. And let's talk about that in a future episode, how to design that system. Let's get people talking. And honestly, again, anyone listening, you have a voice. You may not feel like you have a voice, but you do have a voice. And the way it starts is a grassroots movement. We've seen so many of those as of late. Um, and, and I feel like this is the time. Dr. Brad Spellberg, thanks so much for sitting down with me talking about such an important topic. And, and I look forward to talking to you again soon. Thank you very much, Dr. Stork. Take care. You too. I hope you enjoyed listening. Do not forget to subscribe and download and tell your friends. I would love to build this community and continue to be all about authenticity, optimism, and hope. Uh, Looking forward to the next podcast. We'll see you soon. The Travis Stork Show podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes only and is not intended as a replacement or substitution for any professional, medical, financial, legal, or other advice, diagnosis, or treatment. This podcast does not constitute the practice of medicine or any other professional service. The use of any information provided during this podcast is at the listener's own risk. For medical or other advice appropriate to your specific situation, please consult a physician or other trained professional.